What up, y'all? This is Amani, and you are now listening to The Ville Radio Show on Pure Radio. Yo, 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 what's going on? This is The Ville Radio Show. You already know what it is. This is Jay Harris, a.k.a. Julie Uli's in the building. You rocking with uh, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. You already know what it is. We're in the building, you know what I'm saying? I got my co-host with me, you know what I'm saying? Fellas, where y'all at, man? I guess I always go second. So uh, my name is Jeremy Shirt Dog. That's what people call me. I'm really thankful to be here. I want to thank my mom and dad for conceiving me. Most and uh, my that's, high school too much, uh, dance teacher, Miss Blackledge, for giving me the grace and elegance. That's too much, You know what I'm saying? Beautiful. Here you go. And you already know who it is. It's your boy, Big Philly Illies. You already know it's the thing that makes things, the country slang that makes it stain. It's the slither in the grass. It's the Bible on the dash, and it's the diamond in the glass. It's your boy, Philly Illies. Let's go, baby. Well, once again, people, we're still <laughs> waiting for the paperwork from HR to get him removed from the show. We're working on it. They're moving slow, but we promise it's coming. Let's go. This is the Ville Radio Show, man. Straight you know up. That's, that's my brother right there. All right, so listen, man. We, uh, yo, we're going to jump right in it today or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's the Bill Radio Show. If you're just tuning in, it's 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. We got some amazing guests in the building. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to start off my brother, Mark, or whatever, since this is your first time on the show. Mark, let me know who you are, Boom. what you do, what church you with, where the website is at, service times, and all that. <laughs> don't, even, don't even be humble with it. Just, just go for the it. Just rep the church. Just rep Straight up. All right, cool. So, uh, good to be here, man. My name is Mark Dickerson. Uh, and I pastor the Turney Church, Jacksonville. And we are at 555 West 25th Street at the Boys and Girls Club in Brentwood in the thick of things. Yes, sir. And we are part of a much larger organization, the Journey Family out of Fernandina Beach. We also have a campus in Detroit, Michigan, in, in Livonia, actually. And so, man, um, I'm just glad to be here, man. I'm excited. I don't know what I'm going to talk about or how this is going to go, but I'm excited to be here. Man. We know what you're going to talk. We're going to put you on it. French Street, baby. <laughs> Let's do That's it. That's what we do. Let's do it. All right, and we, Lisa, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, but i just like to introduce you or whatever. This is Lisa Fields in the building right now. You know what I'm saying? Come She's a on, good man. friend of mine. Lisa is the founder of Jude 3 Project. You know what I'm saying? And, uh. She's a boss. Lisa hit it. I'm sorry. I didn't already did your intro for you. It's just because I love you. Go ahead and roll with it. Yeah. Like Jay said, I'm Lisa Fields. I'm the founder and president of the Jew 3 Project, a Christian apologetics organization dedicated to helping um, the black community specifically know what they believe and why they believe it. Um, Come on, indeed. Yeah. Come on. That's what's up. So listen, Facebook Live, what it is, though. You know what I'm saying? They for they all your people in Radio Land, y'all know this, but we always Facebook Live when we when we're doing our thing, too, or whatever. So, um, listen, we've been in this series talking about racism in the church, and I think where we at, fellas? We on the, what, third, fourth week? Fifth. Fifth, Fifth week. Number five. Yeah, mm-hmm. the conversation just keeps on going. I think originally we thought we were going to hit it really quick, but it keeps on moving and grooving. Yeah. Um, a lot of our conversation has been leaning towards um, some of the things that we, we feel is problematic inside of the, um, inside of the white church, um, and we, we, go, we go back and forth with the conversation or whatever, but this week we want to kind of talk about some of the things we see going on inside of the black church and give some perspective on that. Um, what I want people to know in this conversation, I always think it's important to say these things from the very beginning because people get very, very sensitive when you start bringing up church at all. Um, and, 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 and especially when you start talking about things that you think are issues in the church. Um, I always quote this. The statistics for diversity in the church are 
less than 5%. They're sitting somewhere around 2.5% and 5%. So we're already a separated church. So don't make the argument, hey, this is causing division. We're actually having this conversation because we think it's needed for us to actually start fostering um, reconciliation inside of the church because the church is racially separated right now, and it's a big issue. It does a, great, a, a grave injustice to the beauty of the gospel. So I don't see a way going forward besides having conversations. And whether people you know, feel what we're saying or not, um, everybody here has their own mind, and we have these conversations and let people speak what they feel. But I think a lot of our conversations come from um, the conversations we have outside of the church walls. What I do know about everybody at this table is that they're planted in the church. We all are a part of churches, uh, have membership in churches, believe that the beautiful work that Christ is doing is gathering the church together. So we have a tremendous amount of steam for the church. But even me as a pastor, I got to let some of this stuff hit me in my face so I can be real about what we need to fix, right? So we all know you can't fix it if you don't know what it is, right? You know what I'm saying? You're going to end up on the side of the road if you don't tend to that, 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 that tire with a nail in it. You know what I'm saying? So this is us doing the due diligence of having some harder conversations that sting a little bit. It may step on your toes, um, but nevertheless, let's have the conversation chew up the meat and spit the bones out, and let's just pray for God to help us in it. There's another thing that happens when you have these type of conversations. It's easy for bitterness to surface. Some days when I leave this, this show and this conversation, bitterness comes up even when I don't want it to. So it's, it's important for me to tell the listeners to protect their heart in the conversation because we have so many wounds as, as it um, pertains to race, um, and even sometimes what we've dealt with in the church with church hurt. Um, Here's the thing. Jesus Christ is perfect. Come on, somebody. We as his people are not perfect. So the best thing for us to do is to have honest conversation and then employ the gifts he gives us of mercy and grace, patience and long-suffering with each other to his glory. All right? So we're going to jump into the conversation. I hope you all ready to do this. Y'all ready to get it. it in? Yeah, that was yes, a good do it. sermon. Let's do yeah, it. It was. Yeah, it was. I love it. I stole that from somebody. I was reading right off the computer. <laughs> it's like that's straight off the head, freestyle. All right, y'all ready? So listen, my first question is this, all right? Um, we see this thing happening right now. I know, Lisa, we've had this conversation before, um, and some of us are e even in the middle of this. Well, I see a lot of people leaving out of the white church and the black church um, to go um, pursue um, diversity in other churches. Um, I see some, I've talked to several black church planners um, that are running into issues inside of the black church when it comes to actually planning and starting off the church. And some of the stuff that I've heard mentioned is some of the traditions they run into that are expected of them that they're not really okay with kind of rocking with and just different things of that, that, um, that nature. So I'm just going to generally kind of throw that out there. Like, what do you think some of those things are inside of the black church that people deal with or what, do you, what do you, or what do you think some of the, the misunderstandings are? Because I believe we're going to land on the side of actually jabbing at some things, and we're going to also land at the side of defending some things and misunderstandings as well. So, you know what I'm saying? Get the party started. He's, Let's he do it. it. He said it real pretty, but I'm sure y'all do not know what he's talking about. So <laughs> just give us your perspective on it. Either one of you all can share your story on how you feel about that. Um, but, you know, uh, we're just trying to really uh, – 
establish some understanding from young black pastors, young black preachers in the church that have had these concerns and these grievances for a, for a minute. So um, just share your heart about the thing. So I'm just going to ask Jake, can you, can you, that was a packed question, man. Can you kind of yeah. bring it in and just kind of directly kind of just. Any particular part of it you want me to lean towards? Just rephrase it a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. All right. So, so let me say it like this. This is what I'm hearing from many black pastors that I talk to. Um, running into some of the traditions in the black church as far as what um, preaching style looks like. Um, I just had a couple that came to our church. They've been in an all black church for a very long time. Um, they're in leadership and they were actually about to cross into another level of leadership which would require them to preach. Um, their, their, um, their pastor style of preaching is um, very traditional, um, uh, um, and all black pastors don't preach like this, so I don't wanna say that, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's huffing, puffing, hitting it like that. They were like, we, 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 it's expected of us. And if we don't see any room for change, like we're not allowed to be different within the organization. So they didn't even leave like looking for diversity. They left like because of tradition, you know what I'm saying? Um, and then I've talked, you know, that's just one scenario, but I've also talked to church planners that are like, I, I, don't, I don't feel the support in the black church sometimes from black leaders or black ministers. It's kind of like stay up under my umbrella and wear my brand. Um, and they feel suffocated by that. And it's kind of like, I can't do that. And so, um, and just to add this on, and I might be answering, matter of fact, I'm gonna leave it at that right there. Does that, does that hit you right there? Yeah. Yeah. So, stay, stay on the mic, make sure you stay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so just, uh, just, just a little bit of a backstory, man. I was raised in all black church, man. I was raised yeah. in denomination where we got it in from sun up to sundown, mm -hmm. drug the church. Thankfully, every time the doors open, we were there. Yeah. But for me, I got away from the church uh, when I went off to college. I think my entire five years, in, well, I went to college for four years, but I stayed in Tampa for about five years. My whole time in college, I may have gone to church once or twice. Yeah. In, in five years. So I got away from a lot of that. And then coming back to the church when I got back to Jacksonville, serving with my mom, uh, I, I came back to a, a smaller kind of, you know, context where things were kind of really just new and she was a female pastor. But I, I, I was so I wasn't the whole preaching thing wasn't drilled in me. Right? Yeah. And so I've always been this person who's had this open mind of, of, about how church should be. Mm -hmm. um, so being a pastor that is starting something new right now, um, we are intentionally transcultural, man. But stepping out into that, I did not leaning to the whole support from the from the black church. We didn't have that. As a matter of fact, I was telling Phil in a conversation a couple days ago, when I first got back to Jacksonville, my, and my, my, my mom, my pastor, who the city knows very well, Pastor Zelma Dickerson, when I got back in the city, she was a small, she had a small church, and she was trying to grow it. And I saw things. I was like, why are you struggling? Why are we having such a hard time building this church? Yeah. Why can't we go to some of the other pastors and leaders that you have grown up with, churches you've sown into, 
you preached at their churches, you've laid hands on their, you, you've held women's conferences, you've done this stuff, they know your character. Why can't we go very ignorantly? Why can't we go and solicit help from some of these churches? So me being this ignorant, newly, just, you know, revived believer, ready to kind of get things going, and ready to see my mom's church succeed, I jumped out. So I started sending letters to, to bishops and pastors and people that I knew had resources, people that I knew were doing well in that, you know, in, in that um, era of what we knew church to be doing well as, people were doing well. I would reach out to them and say, hey, what can we do? Is there any help for the small church? You know, we're over here trying to get it popping. Is there anybody that can help us? Can you just show us or this or that? And we got absolutely zero support. As a matter of fact, we were made to feel like we were a part of this subculture of small churches mm. who don't deserve access to what the larger churches have. So, no, you struggle on your own. And what I found out, and if I'm, if I'm going too, too long, let me know. No, man. go but, but, but what I found out in my, you know, studying and research and trying to, and having conversations, and I could be wrong. But, but what I started to feel was that the help that should have been there for people that were trying to take the church to the next level that should have been there was kind of with hell because I felt like the pastors that were able, and I'm going to get in so much trouble by saying this, but I'm just going to no, say it. Yeah, no, you know, well, I mean, you're in trouble once you decide to come <laughs> on the show. Brother, you, brother, I'm already in trouble. You're already in trouble. <laughs> but I'm not calling any names at all. Yeah. But to. the people that were in position to help, I started to, you know, when you're left to your own devices, you'll kind of come up with your own, own reality. Absolutely. So my reality started to be, well, maybe it's because these brothers who are doing well, mm. have had to fight so hard to get to this point of doing well. Yeah, I appreciate right? you saying that because yes. there's a narrative. Because that's really, that's yeah. truth in yeah. yes. well, I'm, I'm, and that. Yes. Well, and so, again, that was, my, that was my own internal truth, and I had nobody to rebut that, so I was left in my mom's small church to figure that out yeah. and have it as my own reality. Maybe the pastors that have done so well, they, have, they, are, they were black men. In a country that has demonized and devalued black men for so long. So when they finally got something, right, mm -hmm. it was this, uh, again, it appeared to me it was this, I finally have become somebody in a culture where I was always told I was not even human. And had to fight like a dog to get there. To get there. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to give anything to anybody else that could, number one, possibly take this identity I've had to fight so hard to get. I'm not going to give anything to anybody else that's going to possibly take that, especially if you... Why am I talking so loud? No, brother, because it's passionate. passionate. Go I, it's forward. the passion. Keep it. I love it. It's the yes, Bill sir. Show. We Don't let check it fly. It's the Bill <laughs> Show. It, it, especially if it's an, another pastor... Come on, somebody. Come on. Who, who Come looks on. a little bit like me and who could possibly be a threat to what I'm doing or, you know, I, I've worked too hard to get here. So I've had to struggle to get here, pay your dues, I'll see you when you arrive. And that's kind of what, what we felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Lisa, you want to jump on that? Yeah, I, I think that there's 
so much truth to what he said because I think that there's this crabs in a bucket mentality sometimes in black churches. People are trying to hold on to something, to hold on to their money, to hold on to their influence, and they're so scared to lose that they don't realize that the blessing is in the giving. Um, the blessing is in the supporting others, and I think we lose so much because we're scared to lose. Yeah. And inadvertently, we actually end up falling into what we were scared to happen in the first place. Yeah. And so, which creates a resentment, and it, it's a tension that we've talked about, uh, Phil, I think you and I, about yes. people holding on to positions so tightly and not letting other people come up that they end up losing the crowd they're trying to keep. Absolutely. And mm. I don't think people really understand that they're losing by holding on so tightly. Yeah, we had that conversation, and um, it was just, you know, that's exactly what, not necessarily I was going through at the time, but I saw a lot of, and just one of my concerns with some of our, our pastors and bishops and just leaders in the city, um, generally speaking. Um, you know, I thought it was just something that was uh, going on just in my life, and I saw from my point of view as, and it saw from my eyes, and then I started having conversations with different people, and I realized that this was going on all over the country. Even when I was going out of town, and I was talking to brothers that, you know, come that come from. I got a homeboy who's um, um, uh, DJ. Um, you know, man, Wade. Uh, his name is Wado. DJ Wado. We had a conversation about. Shout out to Wado. We was having this same conversation when we was at a conference together because he says it's going on in his city and where he's from and where he comes from. And it's back to that whole power thing that me and you was talking about and what we talked about earlier. They, these brothers don't fall for so long, they like, look here. Just like I had to work hard and go fight, you better go do the same. And, and two, I think one of the issues is people haven't experienced power and authority outside of the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I've never been a manager or had any kind of ownership or anything outside of the church world, yeah. then when I get a piece of leadership, that's why people are title hungry, because they've never had a title. Anything. Anything else. Yeah. And so they have to, they feel like they have to hold on to it. Well, people who've had titles, ran companies, when they come to church, they're like, oh, okay, what is this? Like, you know, you call me whatever. You know, some people, they don't even have to have you to say pastor in front of their name because it's like, I've had power outside of this realm. Yeah. And, and so, can, let, me, let, me throw, let me hit this really quick because I, I want you to throw this, whatever you're about to say. <laughs> I'm really glad we're hitting this because I think a lot of times when we have conversations like this, we go straight to being critical and we don't look at the historical narrative that, has caused some of what we see. Nevertheless, I want to take this conversation and smash it up against the gospel, right? Um, I always have this, it, 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 it's become more and more clear to me, or it's, it's for me to do church in the context, context that we're in, where it's black and white split down the middle in the Ville Church, it puts me in this place where I have to be ready to lose the church all the time. In, in, like I have to be in that mentality. Like I have to be, I have to approach it from stewarding it with all I got because it's the calling that God gave me to love the church and care for the church. But then there's this flip side where I have to constantly nurture this idea 
of I'm ready for this church to end tomorrow if that's the case. Or else, because there's so many different theological opinions, there's superiority in the room, inferiority in the room, it's clashing, this race thing is happening, this economical disparities deal is happening in the room and it's so ferocious that I'll end up being a slave to something in the room other than being a slave to the gospel. So I have to be ready for it to go. So with that being said, and what we're seeing is happening often with the pastors that we're, you know, and we're generalizing. We're not talking about our city, and I just want to make this, this as a note. Don't start thinking of pastors in the city when we're saying this, and don't assume evil of, um, of other believers. But do let the truth help you walk through this. But what I'm saying is, do you think there's any clear theological sin um, in what we're saying? in the holding on to power in light of the gospel. Um, or it, you know, like, I get why it's happening. Yes. But it's the, the gospel is set up to protect us from it happening, even in face of the circumstances. And so what would some of that, you know, could you work out some of that if you see some of that? I think pride uh, is at play. Yes, sir, I buddy. think that's the core. Greed and idolatry. Yeah, I think those are the core things that are at play. Um, when I make, when I make, uh, <laughs> drop, drop clue bomb, drop the clue bomb. When I make my identity <laughs> and my success an idol, um, I'm going to protect it because uh, we always trying to protect our idols. Uh, pride comes into play. Um, greed. Once you have access and exposure to the funds, you want to keep Ooh, as much as possible. My God. That's greed. Um, and so when you open yourself up to that. You open yourself up to all kinds of issues as far as scandal is concerned. And that's why so many of our leaders are falling into scandalous activity because you see the connection between when Peter and Paul are talking about false teachers, you see the connection between greed and pride yeah. that leads them down the path of destruction. Yeah. And if we're not careful, all of us are susceptible to that because the higher you go, the more you want to protect because you're exposed to these things. And I think those are the three things at play, pride, greed, and idolatry um, that, that kind of foster this. Yes. I, so that's exactly what I was going to say, Lisa. And so let me just say this caveat too, man. Pride has no color. Pride is not, pride is not, this is not, pride doesn't care whether you're black, white, it doesn't care. And, and pride is not always, when I talk about pride to my family, to, to, to the people at our church, Pride is not always this green, hairy monster that kind of just sits in your face like, I'm here. Yeah. It's very subtle, and it can be rooted in reasonings that make sense in, in, in our minds, yes, sir. which are called strongholds, just, just false reasonings to protect, you know, but, but that's exactly what it was, man. It, it, what it is, it's, it's this pride, man, that, that, that keeps us protecting these things or this identity that, that we think we've, we've accomplished, man. It, it's, it's pride. I mean, it's, it's a, it, it, uh, the idolatry in it is just really, you know, that same idolatry that we spoke about in our white brothers and sisters on the last show, it's, it's kind of on the same lines, man. It's like we've, we, we, we've built this comfort wall around us to where people uh, admonish us over the, over God and what happens is is people begin to vicariously live through their leader. Yeah. So it's a, it becomes a parrot ministry 
versus an empowerment ministry. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, my pastor got this. My pastor got that. My pastor got all these things, so I'm going to serve the man of God because he's the man of God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you're a man of God, too. Yeah. You're a woman of God, too. Yeah. What makes you different than makes him different? Now, granted, there right. is a right. respect, a there's a reverence, and there's a call for who he is and what he does. Most definitely. I don't take that away from him at, at all. But when it comes to understanding your role in the kingdom just as well as his, I put a post out on Facebook um, a couple months ago, and it, it, it's kind of similar to the, what we're talking about, but it was more so about millennials and baby boomers. What we know right now is the leaders and the gatekeepers of the church are baby boomers, okay? And I said um, um, baby boomers and millennials are, they like sitting in the corner. They like in a boxing ring. And one, they, you got the millennials in one corner and the baby boomers in one corner. And everybody just waiting for somebody to make a move because they don't nobody want to move off of what they're comfortable doing. Mm. And I said what baby boomers don't realize is, is that they don't have a legacy if they don't leave nothing to be made a legacy. You don't build a legacy if you don't leave something behind. And that means you have to give it away. You know what I'm saying? And then I also said millennials have to be willing to be a little more patient and understanding in waiting their time for it to actually happen. And there needs to be a, a bridging of a gap. It's the same way with, that's with these type of situations. Like, there is no man of God without people for him to serve. Like, he's supposed, he's supposed to be the ultimate servant and ultimate servant. And what a lot of times you have is you have the mentality of it being the other way around. So I got to go give all my time, all my efforts, all my money, all my resources to this man of God because that's the only way I feel like God going to bless me or only way I'm going to get recognized or get or even aspire to be what he is. We start betraying the gospel with a works-based gospel, like no. a, works, a works-based belief, Absolutely. which ends up being an anti-gospel because you're not empowered by what Christ has done. You get the idea that you're empowered by serving under this man's huge anointing, which celebrate the anointing and the calling. Absolutely. You love your pastor well and encourage him. But uh, from a pastor, Mark, you know this too as a pastor. You never let people lift you up. Um, like, you know, when you get exalted, you humble yourself and you lift up Christ and be like, nah, you, this is where it's coming from. You know, one of the things I wanted to say too, Phil, like just what, with, with what you were hitting, um, I, I, I just, I remember like, like uh, one of my homies, I got these two of my boys who have been my people for years and they're not believers. And we went to a conference not too long ago and, um, and they actually were working the conference. Somebody hired them to work at the conference, but they weren't believers. And it was a Christian conference for men's, for men. And I remember we were outside talking to um, one of the workers at the conference that was serving and was a part of this church. And he didn't know they weren't believers. And, you know, and I'm, I'm walking with these dudes. They finally had start, started coming to church, and I'm trying to, like, minister to them. And I remember my heart sank because he said something, and I just saw their face. But he came, he was talking to them, and he said, yo, man, my pastor got it. He, he said something like a Lambo or a Ferrari. 
And he was like, yo, my pastor got this car, whatever. And, yo, he, he don't even, he's so humble, he don't even drive it. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're listening to him. And they're like, and then they're my, you know, he's not knowing how this is landing outside of the church. And they're like, so you bring your money and, and he don't even drive the car? He's like, bro, he, I'd be mad. He at least better be driving the car if I'm paying for a Lambo. And so they just was, but they just walked away with this disdain. And it just, it was just a real quick snapshot um, of how unhealthy the kind of pastoral worship was and how it kind of slants things. And like, so, like, and so I think this is an issue we have a lot of times in the black church where um, the esteem for the pastor that we should have biblically, which is biblically based, turns into this worship and the worship of a gifting instead of the one who actually gave the gift. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think one of the points that I try to make, too, is most pastors in the U.S. are bivocational. So sometimes when we talk about the black church and this extravagance for black pastors, we're talking about a limited amount of people. That's so true. A lot of people are working hard. They are struggling to provide for their own families, and they're giving all they got. They work 40 hours a week, mm-hmm. and they, that's the majority of black pastors in, in the U.S. And so I think I want to make that note. That's like bring- over 90% too, isn't it? Yeah. The stati- I'm glad you hit that because – a lot of times we have these conversations with these generalizations of like a handful of pastors we see on Front Street, but it's really not the general truth about the black church as a whole. A lot Go of for people it. are struggling and giving all they got mm-hmm. to the church. Now, there's a few that we esteem high that are, you know, the mega church pastors. And not all mega church pastors are shady. I want to make that note, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a few that kind of spoil it for a lot. And it's what I try to do is get people to refocus on the bigger picture because sometimes we can be so close up on the tree that we miss the forest. And I think that's what happens in a lot of the conversations when it comes to black churches. And then I try to redirect that the, that a lot of this extravagance came from some black pastors trying to keep up with white pastors. Yeah. Uh, because some some, if we be honest, you know, we pick at people doing offerings in black church on the emotional high, but in the white mega church, it may look like I'm showing you a picture of some poor kids in Africa, yeah, and we absolutely. want you to give, and they raise the same amount of money. They just do it differently and more strategically than black people do it. Yeah, yeah, and put a, and put and put the tag missions on it. Yeah, and, and makes it that, that make it more that makes it more palatable. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I was gonna say to... something, Jay. On on so to to on the to generally make this statement about the identity thing, right? So we know that that's, a, that's idolatry. We know that. Yeah. But I've seen what happens to a pastor who was, this, this was their identity, and it, not even from an intentional standpoint. It's just I've given my this person I've given my life to this this is all I know yeah sometimes it's like literally all it's they literally know what my life has revolved around yeah. I don't I've I've I have given my life up for the sake of the gospel yeah so if you if this is removed from me or so this is the other side of that coin if this is if if this is taken from me if this is if my life has to change, I now 
as a as a baby boomer, a person who's in my 50s, 60s, 70s, I now have to figure out, okay, who am I now? Yeah. What, what does life have for me? Yeah. And so the emotional battles that come along with that sort of starting over again, number one, it happens anyway, just period, period, yeah. Yeah. without having already had this label or having had this uh, 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 perceived persona. Yeah. It just has just a, it's just a course of life. But then when you add, I have been this person, now I'm not anymore. On top of that, now there's this, the emotional battles that go along with that, man, the depression. It's crazy. Man, listen. I got people I'm walking through with in the middle of it right now, and to, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's mind-blowing to figure out, okay, God, I have given myself for your church. I was not one of the ones and not comparing it to be uh, um, punitive, but I was not one of the ones who had this extravagant life. No, I scraped and scuffled with everything I had. Yeah. Now either either the doors have closed or I'm moving on or you're calling me something different. Whatever gets you to that, to that crux or that decision, this is not me anymore. So who the heck am I? Yeah, yeah. Who am I? And then also... How do I use how do I, how do I implement the gospel in this new season? Because usually when that fallout happens, some of the stuff you stood on before doesn't make sense anymore. And so it's like either either something wrong with Jesus or something's wrong with me, or I've been seeing him wrong, and there's a whole new f- figuring out. That's it's a gut wrenching thing. It really really is. Um, I wanna I wanna switch the conversation direction just a little bit. One of the things we were hitting on the last show, and we never got to work through it, was we talked about the idolatry that has happened historically in the white church with the worship of their skin superiority and it being under the guise of we are Christians, you know, the nationalizing of Christianity and, you know, and the American flag, Jesus wrapped in the American flag and all of that stuff. And just like this country didn't have room for blacks, but to only be dehumanized and be less than that played out in the church. Therefore, you had the black church um, come out, come out of that particular thing. And it wasn't all white people. Um, As we see historically in the narrative, you see people fighting for what was right and even dying for the cause, standing with Martin Luther King and so many other things. But generally speaking, the 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 agreement in the country was um, pretty ugly. So my question is this right here. What often concerns me about the black church is that we have now going on, we've now drifted into a form of racism in retaliation for the racism. Um, And here's the thing. I know a lot of black leaders that even, they desire to see diversity and don't even have the opportunity to do it even if they want to because some, because a lot of the white people they know are just simply not in their lives, not willing to engage in that conversation, but they desire it. But for a lot of pastors that are doing well and they're sustainable now as black pastors, it's kind of like, we doing our thing over here, brother. Like, we we good. You know what I'm saying? We have people here who have good jobs and and we kind of get in, we kind of have this black paradise going on. And it's a beautiful thing, but I'm wondering, is it a gospel thing? And are we not protecting what the gospel talks about as far as bringing all nations and people together? And so I'm often concerned that 
we, we don't do the due diligence in teaching and leading our people. Maybe they don't have an actual opportunity to live out some of the diversity, but preparing their heart with a gospel that is always ready for it to engage, you know, when that, when that opportunity shows up. Um, this, is, this has been a recent struggle for me uh, because if you know what I do with the Jute, for those listeners who know what I do in the Jute 3 Project, my core audience, is tailored to be the African-American context and black churches. Yeah. And I've had to, and but on the flip side, because it's apologetics, that's a white evangelical feel. So I have to deal with white evangelical leaders on a regular. And the stuff you face in those, in those environments, it just, it, it creates a disdain for you. So I'm constantly trying to fight off bitterness. Yeah. About my interactions. And when you get in a black circle, you feel a safety. Um, and it's like you get to kind of escape that. And then so when you in church, you don't want to have to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. I came here for uh, for kind of reprieve. Like, I want some kind of retreat from yeah. all this. And now I got to come to church and this is my place of solace. And y'all acting, y'all wilding out too. <laughs> I don't want that. You know what I'm saying? You got. Yeah. Chaos everywhere. Um, and so I think for us as black people, we just like, man, I don't want to have to fight with these white people about this stuff. And some people have really given up on white people being willing to embrace us as whole, as hum fully human. And when you've dealt with it so long, when you've dealt with it at work, when you dealt with it at school, you like, you know what? They ain't gonna change, I'm just here. You know, that black people dealing with trauma, PTSD, you know, from, from, from their engagement with white people. And I'm not talking, to, and I, so I deal with this stuff on a daily with white people that are supposed to be believers, mm. you know. And so, you know, you start to not even want to be around it. Uh, but we have to kind of really look at what Jesus did. He inconvenienced himself and went and pursued hurt. Like, he was in pursuit of people that he knew was going to hurt him. Yeah. And I think we have to train ourselves to do that. But we have to really be prayerful. And we have to have places where we can be healed and talk through things. And, um, and have places of where or safe people that can have. So we won't be filled with bitterness. And that's what I, and that's what I was mm. going to go back to on just even when um, coming out of, Mark, what you were saying about you're a baby boomer, you're getting into this transition in your life to where it's like, what do I do now? Because I've devoted my life to this. I have, this is what I know. This is who I am. And I think what you just said is connected to those things. When you build, sometimes what happens when you build this wall around you, you, you the wall protects you from getting any correction, from somebody pouring into you, from somebody holding your arms up and really, you know, just you know, walking with you and offering some type of um, just, you know, whether it be just intercessory, just praying for you and, you know, those type of things. And when you, when, what happens is you find yourself on lonely street because you've made yourself in this place to where nobody can't really tell me nothing or I ain't got nobody that's going to really, you know, give, uh, you know, point to me at, like who, who, who can I turn to? Well, where can I go? You know what I'm saying? And then what happens, and, and, and I think that's so, that plays an important part because what we have to be willing to do and what, 
especially, you know, in black churches, in churches, period, we have to be willing for, to show people our human side, like us, show people our life outside of the building. That doesn't take away from you being a pastor or a bishop, but I want to see the bishop at work with his family. I want to see the bishop at work just outside. And I know there's a time and a place for that, but I think there's just like that hard transition. I think when you set yourself up and built that wall around you, it's hard for you to, it's always going, it's going to be hard to make the transition, period. But you make it a lot harder when you don't take the time to do those things and really take the time to say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional about um, fellowship with my people that I've, that's, that I've been serving and I've been leading for all these years. Because what you got to realize, I, had one, I got one pastor to tell me all the time. He said, these ain't my people, these God people. You know what I'm saying? He said, that keeps me. He said, what keeps me from going off on that street, he says, I have to always be able to say, um, these are God's people, um, and I'm going to point them to God. He says, it's my job. For them, for me to say, "Hey, I am just a man like you. I am somebody that that is that needs got, the gospel too. That needs the gospel too." And he said, "Then it is their job as well to say, this is the man of God. I'm gonna choose to follow. Not I'm gonna make them follow.' And you, this is my path. You do everything I say." He said, "When you when you teach that, right? You know that type of uh, uh, back and forth with each other. You know what I'm saying? And you reciprocate that type of love." He said, "A lot of times that'll keep you from going off on these." you know, I'm the man of God, you do what I say do type yeah. of mentality. So, you yeah. know. Can, can I jump on what you said, Lisa? Like, one of the things you said was just talking about that struggle. And um, I identify with that. I think as this conversation of diversity is, is you know, in the churches coming up and uh, racial reconciliation, I think a lot of people are in that place where it's kind of like, man, we know what's going on in many of our black communities with a lot of our, our young men are like endangered right now on so many levels. And it's hard to lean into this conversation when a lot of time, and, and step out of the safety of the black community and the support to pursue what is problematic in our communities to deal with whites that you have to re-educate from the start. And not only that, you have to arm wrestle. It may never get anywhere to even get them to even have the conversation. That would, that's what becomes extremely abusive for me. So I'm caught between the war to have the conversation and then this war I know that's happening in the streets. And then this other thing where I know many white churches that are resourced way better than we are are never going to make the communities their priority because when we see conversations like with the presidency and all the racism that comes out in the evangelical side or when when black people get killed we see the, the way the conversation goes they may not know what it means they feel justified in their statement but we know those statements and what they mean for the hardness in their heart, the lack of compassion, the lack of empathy, not caring enough to even go look up the historical narrative of how the community even got to where, the, where it is and the part that they play in it with things like white flight and all these other things historically. And so you feel so betrayed in that. 
Um, and so I often have to just land, you know, leading a church that's diverse. Man, I like, Phil, you hit it. Like, I have to accept the calling that God has given me and steward it. Um, and then for pastors that are in a predominantly black context, I don't think they need to beat themselves in the head about, I need to diversify my church. But I'm like, but we definitely need to preach a gospel that humanizes all people, even our enemies in, in, or people who are anti-us or whatever, and then have conversations like this where we're brutally honest in the, in the process about what it is. Because how do we move forward um, unless we are brutally honest? And then, and, and, and then I think what I see coming out of this that's healthy out of these conversations about race is that there's certain people that raise their hands and go, I want to have that conversation from both sides. And then you have people also being educated with truths. Like our brother on here last week, we didn't, we didn't show his identity, but he's a white pastor. He, 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 he came to lead a predominantly white church. He just had 60 white people leave the church because he said anything about black folks. He, he didn't even switch the whole church around. He's like, yo, we're doing one black gospel song for the black people that are trying to come into our church, and they leave. And not only that, they tell them, you need to watch yourself and do what these people do, or a lot of money is going to be walking out of the door. That's a gross misrepresentation of the gospel of Christ. And so I think a lot of times this stuff is able to breathe and it gets perpetuated because we are not offended for the sake of the gospel over everything. You know what I'm saying? And so. So, so, so I'm going to choose my words and I, very carefully when I say this, but I'm going to speak from the true intent of my heart, right? Yeah. So, one, I think that, so there is this gross divide church yeah it is apparent we smell it we see it it's sharp it's statistics are out there yeah. sunday is the most segregated day of the week we know that right yeah. however in the in the fight or in the move forward to diversify or to bring about the gospel-centric unity of the church, right? Yeah. Everybody can't do that. Yeah. Mm -mm. Come on. And I don't think, I think you have to know your lane. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. as a leader, you got to know what you've been graced to do. And I'm not trying to be deep or, or extra. You just got to know what you've been graced to do. If I tried to build a church because the Bible says in, uh, in, in, in Mark's account after, you know, when, when, when Jesus gave them the authority to cast out unclean spirits and, and, and these things shall follow those that believe. If I tried to go and build a church that was followed that and I'm casting out demons every Sunday and I don't have that grace, man, I'm going to be jacked up. Yeah. Not because I don't have the power to do it. Mm -hmm. Not because the Bible didn't say do it. It's because that's not my lane. Yeah. That's not my grace. Yeah. If I tried to run a church that was fully missions based where I am bringing in and immediately sending out. Yeah. And that wasn't my grace. I might suffer from the depression because I'm sending people out and my church is staying small. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I'm sending people out. 
but 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 I'm thinking in my mind I said I have a mega church, but I'm trying to operate in a grace I don't have. So every what I'm saying is everybody doesn't have a grace. Yeah. To from a pulpit standpoint diversify a church. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't have it, yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you can't have you can't have those convictions in your heart. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can't have those outside conversations. Doesn't mean you can't be behind the scenes making it happen for somebody else. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that if you're behind the scenes making it happen for somebody else that you're not sincere about it. But if you ain't got that grace, don't get ate up by them lions that, that are in that pit waiting yeah. for you because that's not your grace. That's my grace. My yeah. grace has been to lead a diversified church. My grace has, God has given me the grace to walk, Lisa, in those circles where I am. Let me tell you something, brother. Where I am the token. And it's put in my face. That, listen, let's make it clear so we understand that we know who you are and so you know who you are. I, I have to deal with that. But if I didn't have the grace to deal with that, man, that would have, because of identity issues I have in the past, that would have killed me. That would have yeah. led me to, 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 to walk away from the church because of being so hurt. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. what I'm saying is every pastor doesn't have the grace to do that. Yeah. Does that make sense, man? I hope I'm no, not. I, no. I, I think it does. I think it does, but I think it's a super fine line on it. I think it's a super, super fine line. I think, I think it's a lot of people's truths. It's their truth, but I don't, I'm hesitant to grab it completely. Reason being, I don't think what is the problem in it is your gifting to do it. I think it's people's rebellion for it to look like what God has called it to be. For some people, it may be, Jay. For some people, yeah. for some people. So I'm not saying that. I'm not. So you can't use that. As, I'm not saying use that as an excuse to not be active. Yeah. I'm not saying use that as a cloak to cover your blatant racism. I'm yeah. not saying that. What I'm saying is. If that's not your grace, if you're not called to lead a transcultural, multicultural church, it, it'll eat you alive. It will no, it will kill you and everything around you. Yeah. Because you're operating in something you're not equipped to do. So. And it might not be your neighborhood. No, no, it's no. So context plays in it. This is why I want to push on what you're saying, because I agree with you. I know why you're saying it. Because we have this conversation with pastors all the time. I have a bunch of white pastor friends that are like, we're gonna really lean into diversity. The churches are dwindling because of it. Because people like, I'm like, bro, that's good you have it in your heart. But a lot of white folks in your church, they don't have it in their heart. And then, and, and vice versa, it happens in the black church too. Yeah. People pushing this conversation. You make the situation it, it, worse. It brings, yeah. everybody, it brings everything to light. It makes us all deal with our racism for real. But I agree with it. I agree exactly with what you're saying. Um, but I think for a lot of pastors... The reason it hurts so bad, I'm adding this on to what you're saying, not to disagree with what you're saying. The, the reason it hurts so bad is because we're scared to lose our churches, so we're scared to say the truth. Like, so I, I have some white pastor friends that are friends of mine, and they tell me they're dealing with this struggle. They're like, yo, I can't even mention nothing about black folks in my church. The church goes crazy. And so they're working through it, and I'm looking at them working through it. And I don't believe it's that they're not graced to push the conversation. 
Or maybe grace is the word. But I'm like, you're not willing to lose your church for the truth. Now, that's a hard cup of tea to throw at somebody or whatever. And I'm not going to throw it from a self-righteous standpoint. Because we all have to wrestle with the stuff that comes out of our mouth and how it lands. But I realize even some of the white pastors that I know that grieve about these issues, they know what it'll cost them to step into it. And I can have compassion for it, but that compassion is not that deep because on the flip side of it, me and my family got to suffer the disdain on the side of them not dealing with their church's sin and their idolatry in their hearts. So now we have no room at the table to come into their church or to be a part of their organization. Or we have to be a part of the organization with this stipulation of we can't fully be us because being black for real is a problem. I just got off the phone with a brother this morning having this conversation that's in a context like that. And he's like, I can't be me because me is not acceptable. So I'm having to deal with when do I get to the point where I flip the table and be like, this is, this is done. Because y'all, you, you preaching love in here, but you don't love Negroes like me all the way. And so that becomes really, really hard. But going back to the original conversation in the black church, we're going to experience this same kind of thing where we've become very racist and idolatry too. And we've been in it so long, we've nurtured it. And because of what we've dealt with with white America, we don't have to think of it in terms of being racist. That's why I'm always saying for the protection of the gospel and holding to it because it, it pulls us all into the light and exposes us. So pull off. Lisa, you like you ready to punch something, hit something a little bit. <laughs> and don't, don't be afraid to get mad at me. I'm just, I'm just. No, you're good. I'm not, I'm not. Um, I think what's, what's interesting about this whole thing is that it all goes back to our idolatry. Yeah. And our need for acceptance. Yeah. In every field. When, when we don't deal with our insecurities mm. and we get in positions of power. We destroy people. But, yeah, and, and, and see, and this—that's—that's mm. that's, that's my concern because, as you were saying earlier, Mark, you said that you, when your mother was going through what she was going through, and just and, and the conversations that you know me and you have had, you know, you and you just shared that you say we went, and you went and you talked to to some of them, and they were just like, you know, I ain't got nothing for you. But the pastor we had on here last week. The white pastor said he went to every prominent black pastor in this city when he first got here. And they gave him at least an hour of their time of talking and sharing and what they can do and what he what he can do as far as neighborhood. And see, that's my see, I ain't want to go there. But that's the, you the reality is he's white. Yeah, yeah. And some people like optics. The optics of the situation look better. That's just that's the, and, and that's and that's what I and, that's, and see, that's it. And I'm that's sitting, what, and I'm see. sitting with a and it might Come be on. a story. Come on. I sat with a white young fellow today, this this week, you know, and we talked and I talked to him for an hour. It's it's about a lot of stuff is about optics. Yeah. 
it, that's just the reality. Yeah. And so it sounds better. It look better on paper. Yeah, it sounds better. It's a good story to say I sat with a white brother this week. Yeah. And um, so just like our white brothers and sisters, when I get, I'm in the only black people in the room, we take a picture, they want to push me to the front. That's the same, that's the same situation. It's lucrative. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. It, and it's, it's a good story. Yeah. It, 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 makes, it makes for a good story. You said something so key, Lisa, so key. So, Jay, when you talk about the gospel, when Paul talked about what we believe, we believe the gospel is Jesus coming, dying, coming, living, dying, being buried, and being resurrected. That's the gospel. Yes, and then the life that we get to live, the life that we, the, the hope that we have in that. Yeah. Anytime, anything supersedes that, whether it's levels of gifting, whether it's, um, uh, uh, what is it, prosperity, mm. whether it's racism, anytime, anything supersedes that. We have to be careful. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, listen, listen I, so I live it. I live it every day. The whole black-white thing every day. Mm-hmm. But anytime anything supersedes that, we have to go back and check us. Because now we are in the same boat that we are putting other people in yeah, under, this, under this guise of, Idolatry. We've lifted something else higher than the coming, the living, the dying, the being buried, and the being resur- and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anytime anything yeah. overshadows that, anytime yeah. anything overshadows that, we are in trouble. Of we are in we are in the trajectory of idolatry, yeah. and idolatry is which is as the sin of witchcraft. Yeah. It works in, and it comes out of our pores, whether we want to believe, it comes out. Uh, Mark, would you say it's safe to say that we are there? We, because well, based on statistics and based on what we look like on the race, ra- racially in the church, my conclusion of what you're saying is that we are actually there and been there. for. We've been there for a long time, We've been there for uh, for for a long time. So as pastors and leaders, it is our job now to navigate these hard conversations, but exalt nothing else above the God, the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and 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 the whole identity thing. Man, it when Jesus puts us in these, when when the Holy Spirit puts us in, in these contexts, it it really ain't about all the peripherals anyway. It goes back to us. Because he's trying to do something in us. My issue was my own identity. I went from being a Pentecostal zealot yeah. to switching all the way to being this plastic nothing, shell of nothing. Yeah. Because God had to deal with me about my identity. It was, he put me right in the smack dab of that to fix me. Yeah. Because that's what Jesus came to do, to fix us. Yeah. And then we are the church. Yeah. Man, yeah, you, that was good. That was, and no, I, no, no, I think, no. too, one of the key things is that as we're engaging in these conversations and trying to force people to have difficult conversations, we don't put, 
sometimes I see leaders who are forcing the conversation without putting themselves on the altar. Yes. So we're, I feel like we we can become like uh, the Pharisees when Jesus healed the blind man and they said, and they were criticizing Jesus. Yeah. And then the man testified and they said, we, basically we can't listen to him because he's born in sin. And then it's like, but you, we all are born in sin. Yeah. And so sometimes in, in, in us critiquing others, we forget that we there out there ourselves. I'm struggling with my own victims. Yeah. I'm, we're always continuously wrestling with identity issues. Yeah. Pride. Our own racism. Our own racism, our own preference. Yeah. Our own unforgiveness, our own reconciliation issues. And it's like, we have to keep ourselves on the altar because we can sometimes look down and not realize that we ourselves are the same people we're looking down upon. Yeah, you, listen... This has been an amazing show, man. I appreciate y'all so yes, much. Y'all have informed. actually been killing it. I, um, man, we might have to just keep this going another week or whatever. This is good. I want to close out the show with this really quick. First of all, y'all are 103.7 FM Pure Radio, 1320 AM. This is the Bill Radio Show. We got Pastor Mark Dickerson in the building, and we got my girl Lisa Fields from Jude 3. Please check out, check them out. Um, I'm, I'm a, I want to close this with this scripture. This is Colossians 2. Mark, you were just talking about holding to Jesus Christ over anything, over everything. It says, for I want, for I want you to know that how great a struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, and their heart, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Listen to this, which is it, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may de delude you with plausible arguments. This conversation today, we're not trying to delude you. We already are divided. We have to have this conversation for the sake of Christ. Plausible arguments have called the, the, caused the division. We got to look in the mirror, see our sin. Us pastors have to stand up and admit our racism, our, our pride, all of that stuff. And we have to lead people to Jesus as is our calling and our duty. And, um, and so I think these conversations are responsible, and I really appreciate y'all engaging in it. You know what I'm saying? So we out. This is the Bill Radio Show, 103.7 FM Pure Radio. Thank you for the Bill Church for sponsoring our show. You can check us out at theville.church. We have service on Sunday at 1030 a.m. Come mess with us. Uh, fellas, y'all got a thing before we go? Yeah, I had a bunch of questions. But <laughs> I see you've been just so talkative over there. No, nah, so I'll ask next time. Can you take us out with a with a shirt dog growl at least? There oh, it is. And don't forget dog. to check out the podcast. We're putting it up now on the podcast. We'll have the podcast popping. And um, real soon. You know what I mean? So there you go. If you want find it on Pure Radio, you can check that out. You can always go to the VO Radio Show at gmail.com. And you download it. All right, we out.